Well, I mean, the scale of the problem, you know, our food systems are under enormous threat. We've already had organisations like the Farmers' Federation and others saying, you know, it's not guaranteed that Australia will continue to be able to even grow enough food for its own people. In the Arubadalachai region, located in Yuen country on the southeast coast of Australia, there is a not-for-profit community group called SAGE, resulting from a collective dream to develop community-based food systems. SAGE promotes locally grown food that is sold to support community resilience and connect people with the land while imagining a different food system. To achieve its goal, SAGE has developed different initiatives and has advocated across different institutions in its community. When a group of us decided that if we were going to have a local food system, we needed to demonstrate it. And uh, that led to the SAGE Garden and that energised a large chunk of people with dirty boots who decided that they were going to go and have a crack uh, and grow food. It was pretty clear outset and it soon became apparent that SAGE as an organisation, a group of people, could also be strong advocates for a local food economy and be a recognised constituent to council and other, form, uh, other levels of government. Hi, my name is Maria and I am one of the research fellows on the Grounded Imaginaries project. Coming from Colombia, I have had the possibility to experience different ways of living and existing with my environment. I have a law and cultural studies background with an interest in community action and social justice, and I arrived at the Grounded Imaginaries project because I have always been driven by the idea of imagining and putting into action different worlds that have better conditions for everyone involved. Today, I am here with Josh Gowers, a community member of Maruya, who was part of Stepping Stone Farm, one of SAGE's education initiatives. Wolawani Maria, Jamaga Bumalaga, Brinja Bawalbunja Bagan Baragada. That is to say, G'day from Brinja and Wabunja lands in the local language of Doga. I'm just a recent guest here in the country, but it's been a wonderful two years listening to and learning from this land and its people with SAGE and the Stepping Stone Farm team. Josh, you moved to Maruya two years ago. What was your life like before Maruya, and what motivated you to be part of Stepping Stone Farm Internship? Well, I'm a landscape architect by trade, and in my time designing urban environments and learning more about what makes those systems work, I've become convicted that our cities are, unfortunately, um, largely extractive structures, which benefit some by taking from others, and of course taking the most and giving the least to the land and the country which has sustained communities here for many thousands of years. I came here to learn a different sort of design from a community attempting the opposite. Sage and the people here in Maria are working to grow their community and its local food security for an uncertain future, rather than to extract profits at scale. This is in real contrast to the current mainstream economic landscape of food production in Australia, which has consumed the continent completely. The area of these ancient cultural landscapes given over to grazing alone being roughly the size of the EU. Catherine Maxwell, SAGE ally and president of our local South Coast Health and Sustainability Alliance, describes it this way. But what in fact has happened is human power has been replaced with mechanical power, which is very much reliant on uh, energy. Uh, 
uh, a different type of energy rather than human energy. It's fossil fuel energy or electricity. And there's been two problems with this. One has been obviously uh, a lot of people had to leave the land, a lot of them very reluctantly, but also the way in which we farm has become very damaging to our natural systems. So the move away from that to uh, probably more a mixture um, where there is more community, uh, people in the community involved in food growing, I think then necessitates a role for the community and how that will uh, look in our local communities. And so, uh, yes, there'll, there'll still be a role for what we call commercial industrial farmers, but I think increasingly with the resource constraints that we're facing, we're going to need uh, more local production of a smaller scale uh, with a smaller footprint. Over their 13 years, Sage has been experimenting with those smaller footprints, creating a weekly local farmer's market every Tuesday, supporting and partnering with diverse growers and producers of varying shoe sizes, and recently seeding an education initiative called Stepping Stone Farm, where they train future farmers to feel out the sizes of their own footprints. For those of you wondering what exactly SAGE is, SAGE is a volunteer-driven community organization that harnesses the power of community engagement and resilience to create transformative food practices to be part of a thriving, resilient and secure local food community. To achieve this, SAGE focuses its resources to support educational opportunities, small practical actions and collaboration. Listen to the surging sea and cries of the little wattle bird as we take you to the town of Maruya, where Sage began and explore the alternative imaginaries this community is creating. You will hear from Stuart, one of the co-founders of Sage, Fraser, a local farmer, and Catherine, the president of the South Coast Health and Sustainability Alliance, a community group championing sustainability. Those rich river plain soils and the life within them are crucial members of the sage community here, hosting the growers and the grown, the sage gardens, the social get-togethers and seasonal feasts, and the weekly markets that bring us together every Tuesday, and again, around the table. For farmers like Fraser, the Tuesday markets are a chance to come together as a community. I feel like, you know, bringing that connection from people in the community that can go to a market where the food is of high quality and fresh and a reasonable price, and you get banter instead of beeping that it is, is a strong, a strong community service. While the sage markets are a great representation of sage's values, the joy of sharing local food and strengthening community connections is also embedded through all of its initiatives. It can be found in everything that sage community puts its hands on from crop swaps to community art workshops and especially in their pizza events where they bring the community together around different issues to discuss and enjoy pizzas topped with seasonal ingredients. We, uh, we're support, supporting various elements of the community directly by, uh, by supplying um, some free food to the Women's Refuge and to Youth Refuge uh, and uh, occasionally um, to some other groups. And I suppose the most visible sign of what we're doing to support the community and the growers is the Sage Farmers Market. 
which people think is sage, really. That's because that's what people see of us. So um, that's our way of connecting with the community and various community groups come and have stalls there. The other way that we support the community is through education and we run a very strong um, food education um, section uh, and our social events are also education events in disguise because when we have a social event at SAGE it usually involves wood-fired pizzas and the pizzas up, pizza oven or, or other things and we always make a point of using whatever produce is in season um, and, and that raises people eye, people's eyebrows. Sage's events are a full celebration of our local produce. Not only what the chef does with it, not just what it looks like in a photo, not simply its nutritional numbers, but actually including the story of the soil, the grower, the season into that flavour and meal shared together. It's a far cry from the sterile lino of a supermarket where everything has been made to look perfect. And that perfection is fabricated by cutting out that story of where it all came from, how it got there, how much didn't make the cut, and the massive ecological costs of maintaining that false perfection on supermarket shelves every day. This has always been a key focus for the sage community, to appreciate the gifts of funky-looking food and our funky-looking farmers, but they also understood that supporting the growers we've got is just one side to the story. For multiple reasons, we need more of them to support. Sage's mission has been a very simple one, and that's to grow the growers. And that sounds like a very... Uh, a very superficial statement, but when you think of what that means uh, to a food system, uh, we couldn't have begun to imagine the things that that simple statement has led it to over the last 13 years. Uh, so um, with that one mission uh, at the front of mind, uh, we found that we had to start a farmer's market because um, the Saturday market, which is a mixed market, had different ideas about um, their priorities. And uh, we found that um, local growers at various times were being excluded from that. And we just knew that couldn't happen. So that was not part of the game plan um, in the very beginning, but that's turned out to be a great thing. Um, similarly, the way that Sage has branched out into various areas and supplying food to um, to the community uh, and the initiatives like Stepping Stone Farm, where we've actually built Australia's only, as far as we know, purpose-built facility for teaching small-scale organic market gardening. So it's amazing where that simple idea has taken us. Josh, that makes so much sense. It is all about supporting the growers or growing the growers, as it has been put by Sage. It sounds like a pretty simple idea, but how does Sage actually do it? Well, Sage's objective is to be one part of a thriving, resilient, and secure local food community. And that takes a heap of work. Throughout their 13 years, this community has given so many hours of their lives to that simple idea and the complex logistics behind making it happen. But in a nutshell, generosity, hard work, and vision are how they did it and how they continue to do it every day. That being said, it's not a grind to them, or at least it's one that they choose. Sage is run by volunteers who work hard to value the veg, the food, the grower, producer, grocer, and the eater. Imagine the most invested farmer fan club, supercharged with ambitious ideas and enormous appetite for the future of the food and family they love. That's Sage. 
I mean, I guess just by supplying local food, we started uh, at the Saturday market and there was already a couple of growers there. Uh, we were probably the first organic growers, uh, organic in inverted commas, like we didn't use any chemicals, we still don't. The fact that people continue to come every week and buy vegetables from us and we get good feedback via that, I think is probably, um, we've just normalized that we can do what we do without uh, wrecking the joint. That gift of connecting with your grower, knowing where your food is from, and that it hasn't wrecked the joint, isn't just for kicks or only good for the soul. It also means that your weekly grocery shop isn't lining the pockets of an executive somewhere, or contributing to the insane refrigeration, transportation, and food waste costs of an industrial continent-sized agriculture like it does at your big two. Instead, every week you get to invest a little more in your neighbors who work to produce delicious, healthy, high-quality food by looking after the soil building it up with craftsmanship and experience as they get to know it better each season and then share that with the upcoming generation of growers and producers. Josh, that sounds like a good example of the process of social change. You know, like through that normalization, little by little, people's relationship with their food and their growers starts to change for the better. So I think we must recognize that all those individual actions and experiences can create more significant transformations in people's lives. But in order to achieve that sustained change, the community needs to upskill. So that transformation requires more farmers and gardeners to grow that organic food and to make it available to the community. And I think it's very important because that's what SAGE is doing. SAGE developed an educational initiative called Stepping Stone Farm, which trains aspiring market gardeners from the community. Stepping Stone Farm is the only place we've been told in Australia that's been purposefully built, purposely built, to teach um, small-scale organic market gardening. And, th you know, th that's, that's just wrong. It shouldn't be up to a community group to do that, but that's where we are and that's what we're doing. As we just hear from Stuart, initiatives like this one are not very common and not a priority in Australia. Hopefully, stories like Sage will attract more communities to adopt a similar model. I think it will shift people's understanding of consumption and enable them to imagine alternative food futures. You know, this development of alternatives, of different ways of doing things, and the normalization of a transformative system creates a different background for people to imagine new futures. Although how we imagine the future as individuals feels very personal, it actually always takes place against the backdrop of these broader collective imaginaries under which we develop our values and form our expectations. For sure. Learning to grow food together gives you a tangible example of all the creative freedom beyond our unconscious societal values and assumptions. In fact, one you can taste. For most of my life growing up, food came from a plastic packet, and that packet could have gone from anywhere and everywhere. I think that's a pretty common experience, unfortunately. And for those like me who've inherited unconscious relationships with their food, we've been completely disconnected from the hands, soil, and costs which connected us to it in the first place, thanks to a societal valuing of convenience over the land from which that convenience is extracted. This is one of the reasons why communities like Sage are so important. They create opportunities for actively reconnecting us and our worldviews to the worlds around us, and intangible social methods such as growing food together for our communities skills and reconnections which are crucial for engaging with a healthier future for us all. We need a dramatic change to our food system if we're going to grow enough food 
and, and good quality and healthy food for our population, let alone for exports. So we know that the healthier the food you eat, generally the healthier you will be. So there'll be great benefits for our health system as well. And we know that growing food gets you active. And one of the things that we know about our society is it's too inactive. Too many people you know, are not exercising and it's not enough to have a gym because you have to get to the gym. If you grow food, you're not thinking about the exercise you're getting, you're just doing it. urgency behind learning these skills with the increasing frequency and severity of extreme weather events that we are experiencing in Australia due to climate change. Across New South Wales, emergency warnings are in place in these unseasonal conditions. Up to 30 properties have been wiped out around the town of Rapville. An emergency warning has been issued for a bushfire burning out of control. If you are a grower that works directly in connection with the land, all the events we have been experiencing due to climate change require you to adapt your farming practices to endure our changing climate. Our climate is not the same and new ideas need to emerge. You know, essentially, for, this is our fourth season of not looking like it's going to be a great year, um, which is okay. I could, we could handle a bad, we can handle two bad seasons, but once you go into like three and four and repetitive, you wear down your reserves financially and, and, and physically mentally to a certain extent um there's like we've got very good at uh having a, a bouncing back from a disaster just kind of getting back to work the hailstorm we had it was uh that was probably our worst disaster because we lost everything all in one hit and infrastructure damage that cost money to replace and all that kind of stuff but we're very good at sort of making that decision next day where so we were already planting well that was Boxing Day. So the day after Boxing Day, we were planting when everyone else was at the beach. We sort of had to re rebuild our business from ground, from zero. And that was probably a big financial hit that we weren't able to recover from because we just haven't had a season that's conducive to producing the quantity of edge we need to produce to run our business. So we are having much longer dry periods um, which obviously has an impact on food production when you everything dries up in the rivers and streams and your water supply uh, becomes very tested uh, that makes it very hard to grow food because food requires quite a lot of water and then on the other hand when you do get the rains they're much heavier and so uh, farmlands have been very much damaged by high intensity rainfall so damaging the soils that are exposed um, but also causing flooding. And we know that soils get very damaged when they're waterlogged. So these intense uh, rain events, more intense rain events are also impacting. Now, obviously the added layer of environmental impact that we had during the dry was that we got these horrendous bushfires. And so for three months, uh, you could imagine trying to grow food in high levels of smoke, uh, very extreme heat, uh, was very difficult. So the whole need to grow local food uh, has increased, but the 
challenges of actually growing food locally um, have increased with that. And so uh, even more, uh, yeah, even, even a harder task for us to grow more food locally because of our changing climate. Communities here have unfortunately experienced the parallel realities of extreme climatic crises requiring the need for aid and support and the gaps in meeting those needs before, after and during disaster. They recognise both that they need more support and that they can't wait for it to be appropriately provided. Rather than waiting, they've begun to create new futures for their communities, adopting different ways of growing and advocating for the resources required to do so. Anyway, you sort of look at where we can pivot, that's, that's, and that's where we're at, really. We're sort of looking at what, what, what perennial crops can we grow. There's not a whole lot that we can move in our market. So, you know, like then you sort of think, well, what about flowers? And There's berries, obviously, but then that's infrastructure, you know, and we're sort of at the end of... Uh, where there's no more money left to be able to just sort of whack out and, and banks aren't lending money to enterprises like us now. We're very high risk. Insurance won't cover it, and that all plays into each other. If the bank can't have insurance on its loan, it won't loan the money. Honestly, we've got to we've got to rebuild our buffer. So, like the idea of having to service a loan is kind of not appealing at all. So, you know, it's it's that it's kind of thinking. Well, how do we, how do we manage this going into the future if it's going to be like this all the time? Every other town, every other regional town in New South Wales and probably Australia needs to understand that food shortages, I believe, are going to hit regional areas before cities because cities are designed um, as this sort of hub of of the wheel. So the food all goes into the cities. Uh, And when you've got a food shortage, the food will still go into the cities, but it won't come back out again. So we need to be smart and we need to think about how we can actually be more resilient. So that's good. And that's why I say to people, there's only so much the community can do. We have to have the government in there doing stuff because they've got the resources to do it at a scale. Although communities are imagining and practicing transformative alternatives, there are regulatory impediments obstructing a larger systems change. Communities face a problem of insufficient resources and a lack of support to enable and realize these futures. Unfortunately, our political, economic and social structures are acting as barriers to this transformative work as they continue to follow their business as usual imaginary. That's why SAGE has been advocating with their local government for a local food system that considers these small growers' needs and understands their importance. Now let's hear from Stuart and Catherine on what they think needs to happen to create an enabling space for these types of projects. The first thing that needs to happen is that it needs to be recognised as a viable enterprise for for both growers um, and, and sellers and be seen for what it could become and that is a part of Australia's food security system. We need a national food strategy and part of that food strategy has to be uh, not only what support farmers need and large-scale food producers but what support to the smaller producers, you know, our local market gardeners, uh, what support do they need um, and what support does the home gardener need. So everyone I think 
uh, all areas of society have to be targeted to um, be involved in food production. So my optimistic side says that by necessity we will have developed that, we'll succeed and we'll have more small farmers in smaller areas contributing more to a, a local food culture and this will become our culture. Our Yurubadala culture and that culture will be different to Castlemaine culture and different to Broken Hill culture and the food will all be part of that. It's become too difficult to get food from anywhere else and the community's got together and say, well, we need to secure our food supply so we'll all get behind this and, and make it happen. There's a real need here for collaboration at a local, regional and national scale so that communities are equipped and engaged in preparing for the fairer futures they choose for themselves and others. Ideally, this collaborative approach is based on an ethic of mutual aid and shared benefits rather than competition. More and more initiatives like these can contribute to the production and reproduction of that alternative imaginary where communities think locally, support each other, respect the ecosystems where we live and stop the exploitation of resources. Absolutely. Today we've had the privilege of hearing from Sage, a community reconnecting with the rhythms of the land and its food, rebuilding a sense of community by sharing that with others. It's clearer than ever that with increasing climate disasters such as fires and floods here in Australia, there is a dire need for us to rebuild our food systems so that they are more adaptable, just and regenerative. Thank you Josh for inviting us into your community today. It has been truly inspiring. Moving from the effects of too much rain to too little rain, we are ascending higher up in the Himalayas to the cold desert of Ladakh. There, the community's survival is under threat because of untimely glacial melts, altered river systems and mismanaged interventions by local government bodies. We'll discover how this ecosystem has evolved over the last two decades and what its youth are doing today to mitigate the rising water crisis. This episode was produced by the Grounded Imaginaries Research Project funded by the VCAN Rasmussen Foundation. The project partners are the Sydney Environment Institute, the Social Entrepreneurship Association, Oroville and India and Bharat together. To stay on this journey with us, follow the project on Instagram at grounded underscore imaginaries and tell us what questions and ideas are alive for you. Help us share this podcast series far and wide to inspire communities in all pockets of the world facing the reality of climate change and allowing us through our collective actions to know that alternative futures are possible.